When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. Uh, we got our guy Drake here, and we uh, we're supposed to be joined by uh, Brian Munson from Husker Online and on 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 three, um, but uh, he's having some pretty shitty weather down there in Texas right now, so he's not joining us as of yet. Hopefully, we'll get him a little bit later on in the podcast. It just depends if weather cooperates with him. If we don't get him back tonight, um, we'll we'll get him on here soon. But hopefully, we get yeah, him back tonight. Sure. But uh, Drake, what's up? What's going on, brother? How are you? Good, man. I'm I'm doing well. Uh, I'm really looking forward to our long-awaited return of Munson to to joining us tonight. Um, I got it's been a I while. Got some, yeah, it's been a really long time. I got a couple of questions I want to ask him. Like, you know, the first one I want to ask is with the way that with the way the team's performing in certain position groups right now, do you for do you see that changing? what their recruiting targets are for the next two classes. Like you got guys like Prince will and Cameron Linhart playing very well on the defensive line. You got a lot of young guys on the defensive side of the ball playing really well. Um, do you, do you maybe not take as many guys as you had originally planned in the next class or two and maybe, you know, focus more on offensive line, focus more on wide receiver and running back, uh, you know, some places that have been, hit hard in terms of depth and experience yeah that, that's a great question and i feel like especially with those uh freshman defensive linemen you've had them pop a lot more than you'd expect mm-hmm. outside of a uh, freshman in any conference let alone the big 10 uh they, they've showed up big so far so it's i feel like partially by necessity but partially the nebraska got some damn good players that fit the scheme that they wanted to run yeah and i i gotta do a better job of this i gotta go back through and look at look at the roster and break it down by position group and, and, you know, eligibility left because I feel like this defensive unit as a whole is very young 
But when you start to look at it, it's not as young as you think it is. You just have a lot of guys that haven't played a ton of football. Yeah, um, I, specifically I think a ton of football for Nebraska. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's young at certain spots. It's old at certain spots. I mean, your secondary is older, but you've got a real young, bright spot in Hartzog. Your, your linebackers, mm-hmm. you've got some young guys. The crazy thing is Bayer was on roster last year and wasn't even getting a snap. Wasn't even getting a sniff of the field. And it has yeah. it showed up pretty pretty big this year. It's it's yeah. great to see him and Bullock, yeah. another one. He uh he was what am I trying to say? Um Bayer was a guy that went from thinking he was never gonna play to being very important in this defense, and he's also filling the spot that you thought two of your defensive transfers were gonna dominate, like. And with him playing so well, that's allowed Jamari Butler to move back down to defensive end instead of playing that gosh, that that Jack position. The Jack spot, where, yep. where I think you know our guy Jamari is much better. He he played really well yesterday when he got in the game. He he had a hurry for sure, mm-hmm. um, and got you know should have been a holding call on that one specifically. But I we've talked about it right. We're we're super impressed with where the defense is. Um, we were just talking before we went live. Like yesterday was obviously not their best effort. They had no sacks. They didn't necessarily tackle as well as we have come become accustomed to so far this year. Mm-hmm. But if that's game four last year, um, I will remind you that game four last year, I believe, was Georgia Southern, maybe game three, whatever. Um, but I think last year, Louis <laughs> against last year's defense, Louisiana Tech probably puts up 30 plus. Well, yeah, that was that was that was my question. Is you know, with this defense, yeah, they didn't have their best day, but they still only gave up fourteen points. I, I feel like we're grading them on a on a curve, which which is completely fair. You know, if you compare this defense to last year's defense, it's night and day difference. But comparing what we see in this game to the last two games, yeah, they they missed more tackles than you're comfortable with. Uh, they they went against an air raid system, which. Tackling in space is one of the most important things you you need to do because if you don't, I mean, you, you've seen that they can break it for 30 yards at a time. Um, at, they did well enough, um, although you would you if you just went off social media in the way everyone talked about it, you, you almost feel like Nebraska lost this game. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so let, let's dive into it, right? I like, mean, I figure we're just – that's kind of what we're doing anyways, going yeah. head first into it. But I mean, I told i told you before we got on air tonight, I didn't watch the game live. I was playing in a golf tournament. Um, I was listening to it. And between listening to it, listening to post-game shows afterwards, and, you know, reading tweets and texts that I had received throughout the game, I thought it was going to be – look like the worst performance I'd seen all year. Um I went back and watched – I watched up until the rain delay today um, because obviously nothing after the rain delay really mattered. Yeah, sure, Louisiana Tech scored one more touchdown, um, but we brought in Chuppa Purdy at that point. The offense wasn't going to be the same, and we were just, you know, getting out of there. Um, Although one positive thing, I do believe Omar Brown came up with a pick at the end of the game, but other than that, yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Not, not much to watch. Yeah, so um, – but. When I went back and rewatched it, I felt a lot better than I did without watching it. You know, um, we talked about we have two long touchdown wrong runs get called back on on iffy calls. 
Um, I told you, I actually think that that second one on Anth for Anthony Grant, I think once again, the, the officials called out the wrong number because they called it on Bullock, um, who, you know, had a little tug of the jersey at one point on that play, but his helmet's getting ripped off and he's trying to disengage. Um, but on the replay, it the referee who throws the flag is looking directly at Malachi Coleman along the sideline. I can't really tell if Malachi did did hold. Um, if he did, I don't think it was in a, in a way that affected the play because I thought Grant was pretty well past him at that point. Um, and then you have the Harburg one that was first, and that was pretty bad too. I think that call was supposed to go on Billy Kemp, but they called it on Harburg, which is going to make me laugh till the end of time. But even even without those two, you have a couple of big – on the opening drive, Mar Marcus Washington's is arguably the worst drop we've seen all year. Hits him right in the numbers at the sticks. Perfect timing route. And I thought it was um, a catch. I thought it was a catch from, from what it looked like. And, and then to, I just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Harburg put, puts it on him on the numbers. Perfect comeback route. Had the timing down perfect on it. Uh, you got to come up with those, especially in an offense that has struggled to move the ball down the field vertically in the passing game. In the passing game in general, let's call it what it is. We have not been able to throw the ball well, um, which is not necessarily what they're designed to do. But when you have a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, but if Sims was in there, I'd say the same thing. You cannot drop that pass. Like, you absolutely cannot. And so it's very – and then you have a missed field goal to end the half. There's 17 points right there, plus whatever those drops might have resulted in because that first drive, the offense was moving. They'd already converted a one, you know, third and long. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like third and 15 after the opening sack, which offensive line had a rough day yesterday in pass protection. They had a was not. It was it was not not pretty, especially on the left side of the line. Unfortunately, I won't yeah. call out any any one in specific, but it was it was not great uh, when you could see it and and tell what was coming. It was not ideal to watch. Yeah, yeah, pass pro pass pro struggled yesterday, um, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Heinrich Harburg played lights out as a quarterback. Uh, you know, he, again, he ran the ball very well. Um, I he left a lot to be desired in the passing game, but he made some throws that his receivers didn't help him out on. Um, Thomas Fedoni sighting again. Uh, if nothing else, my number one reason for playing Heinrich Harburg is he utilizes our best pass catcher in Thomas Fedoni at a reasonably high clip. So that helps when your roommates, you know. I guess you gotta have that uh, that special connection. Yeah. So. Let me let me ask you this because last night I listened to uh, Big Red Overreaction, which is you know just my favorite a post game show. Fucking idea! No, no, that's my favorite post game show. I love the callers, uh, but I heard so many people, and I saw a lot of tweets about this talking about in the option game, um, specifically out of the eye, Harburg not pitching the ball out of the five that I recognized yesterday, he only had one pitch opportunity. They they took away the pitch man every other time, and he still got six or seven yards. What are we complaining about? You know, at a, at a certain point, I don't know what people are complaining and bitching about. They're they're moving the ball the, the, the best way that this offense is going to be able to, which is quarterback run. 
Uh, Louisiana Tech played it perfectly. I mean, the the pitch relationship was pretty good for Nebraska, but the defender split it perfectly. They took away every time, and th- you cut up and get five yards where you can. And Harper yeah, did I it mean, very goddamn well. Eventually, eventually he's going to have to pitch the ball. I recognize that. Yeah, and but until he has we, to. We don't know if he can because he hasn't done it yet. Like, there are some people that run the option and cannot pitch the ball effectively. I, I recognize that, and I, I understand that that's a fear. But, like, there hasn't been a pitch opportunity for him, so I don't know what we're complaining about. I feel like people like to bitch just to bitch. At and a he has two of them. One got called back. Well, that's the problem is he's been productive without having to pitch the ball. So let's take it for what it is right now. If you don't have to, you know, stem off and, and, and build on the game, why do it? Stick with what yeah. you do well for right now and then build upon it as, as needed. Yeah, 100%. Now, well, let, me, sure. let me ask you this too. Like while we're talking about deficiencies in, in the offense, Malachi Coleman had a lot more reps yesterday, mainly in run blocking, um, which is good to see. Like, I much rather have him out there and run, learning how to run block and do it effectively, because that's going to be a staple of this offense is receivers blocking, right? Like, I need to know that he can do it before I trust throwing him the ball. Uh, and you, you know, you're showing that he can block, which means right, when he chill out, Scott there, Frost. Yeah, when he goes out there and runs, runs, uh, runs routes, like you're not telegraphing it. Like right now, when Tommy Field, Tommy Hill is on offense, you're telegraphing yeah. what you want to do because he's the only true deep threat right now. My my question is, what do you want to see schematically to help open up some of that passing game and alleviate some of our problems? I mean, realistically, you have to do something to stretch the field. I mean, I believe it was Louisiana Tech at at quite a few times low to the box. You see, you've seen every team do it this far. They're, they're going heavy run blitz because there's nothing to scare you deep. Uh, your biggest deep threat right now, maybe Billy Kemp. And, and I, that that's scary. That's scary. That that's your, your biggest deep threat, but maybe it should I, I mean, be. Washington. I still think it's Tommy Hill. I mean, he, he just hasn't been productive on the deep ball. He's so, to say, I, I guess there's not been a receiver that's been productive deep, so yeah. they don't have one right now. Yeah, I mean, if, it's a, if it's a Tommy freshman. finishes, if Tommy finishes his cross the field post um, at Northern Illinois, if he if he comes out of that break hard, that's a catch on the sideline, and that's a dime. I went back and watched that today. I'll send I'll send you the clip from from I have two different clips of it. That ball's a dime. Um, and Harburg steps up into a nasty pocket to throw that, and it's a dime. But Tommy misses it by a step and a half, and he takes two steps off out of his break. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I don't really know. I think I just broke my chair. Um, well, as long as you don't fall off the screen, I guess we're good. Yeah, so for me, I, I want to see more, more easy routes. I want to see some five-yard outs, some five-yard ins some digs, some slants. Like I feel like every time we run a slant, the receiver's open and we hit him. We've dropped too many of them um, or we've thrown it at the wrong time and it's been a pick. We can, we can run that slant effectively. I need, I need to see more of that. Well, let's do this. Let's bring Munson in. And then I, I've got a question about for, for both of you guys, maybe in the past game. So I'm going to bring Munson in real quick uh, since we got some good weather. <laughs> and, uh, we'll, we'll keep chatting about the game. Brian Munson, what's going on, my man? We're glad to have you back. How are you doing? 
it's weird weather here, dude. It's like literally <laughs> sunny out. We've got blue sky. And then there was like a, literally like a hook echo had like gone right over the top of my house when I texted you guys and said, I got to get out of here. I got to go find a place <laughs> to park my car. And then like, the, it just went through like this. And then the whole like horizon started to open up and I go, well, that was lame. And then everything was just basically to the north. So, I mean, good thing that it happened that way. But I mean, we're getting some good, we're getting some good showers. I'm happy about that. We haven't seen rain down here in a long time, man. Munson's got the Oma Dome over, over <laughs> wherever he's at down there in Texas. Oh, yeah, right? No, no doubt. I mean, it's uh, it, it's been a rough summer. I mean, just between the heat and no no precipitation and it doesn't feel like football weather. That's like the biggest part like I miss about Nebraska. Like true like 25 years ago, having been here that long, man, it sucks not having a fall. Like they don't do fall. They, they skip right over from winter. You get one week during Thanksgiving when the when the leaves turn brown and then they just fall off, and then you're in the winter, and then and that's it. You have you have one week of fall. That's all they have here. So, oh, it's uh, it's taken some adjusting uh, to get used to that still. Yeah, it seems like it's been like that the last few years up here as well, and and it's supposed to be ninety up here on Saturday. So, oh. uh, I don't know how fally that'll feel against Michigan, but. I'm hoping it drops into like the seventies that that'd be fabulous weather against Michigan. That'd be cool. Totally. No, I could, I could really use some seventies right now. Yeah, I, I think we all could, but uh, Munson, let's, uh, do you, did you get a chance to check out the game yesterday? I know you got a lot going on with, with on three and everything, but I did, I got a chance to watch, um, did not get a chance to, you know, here's the funny thing about that. I usually love to go back and rewatch games, even on losses, just to kind of get a better feeling for it that game against Louisiana tech feels like a game that's just going to remain on my DVR and I'm never going to rewatch it. There's just nothing like in that kind of, there's just nothing there for me to kind of go back and go, yeah, I think I want to take another look at that. I, I just, there, there were, there were, there were some great things and there were some obviously very, very bad things. And um, I just don't think I want to take another look at it at all. I mean, it's just one of those things like, yeah, it's just not going to go down and, in history is one of those great games I need to keep on my DVR to go back and rewatch it anytime soon. Okay, Brian, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I had the opposite opinion today. Uh, keep in mind, I didn't watch it live yesterday. I was golfing, so I only I only listened to it. I only listened to post-game shows and read Twitter reactions. So I to, to do my part of the job today, I had to sit down and watch it this morning, and I expected something much worse than what I witnessed on film. Maybe everybody just gave me really low expectations. Um, but I was telling Zach, you know, you, you get two long touchdown runs called back. That's 14 points because mm. we ended up not scoring on either of those drives. <laughs> yep. Um, and in the first two drives in that first quarter, you had two really big third down drops while you were moving the ball. Like Washington had one. And and I think Kemp was the other one. I, I don't yeah, remember for sure. Yeah, that's probably right. But if you make those plays, we're we're potentially talking about a totally different game, right? Like, you just don't know. And I, I don't like to dive too far into the butterfly effect, but looking at Harburg's numbers, I thought he was going to look terrible. And he made some throws that were just not caught at times. And obviously, he didn't play lights out. But there's just a couple of small things that we could have done to make that game look way different. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think I looked over at my brother and I said, it, I think at halftime I said, I go, it should be 17 to three. 
and I I go I go the, the first half definitely it and maybe this is where you're kind of going with stuff Drake uh, and maybe this is maybe the the part that you're going to kind of open up to when I mention it because it's after I've kind of recounted things of the you know after all the other things that you said particularly the the drive killing drops the drive killing penalties you know when this team gets put into th- this team right now is incapable of kind of handling that single failure in a drive they they have no way of kind of making up going from first and 10 to second and short from with the penalty to first and 20 now go ahead and deal with it they they don't seem to have that ability to kind of do that which is interesting because there were a lot of big plays yesterday they just didn't come in those moments where i have to offset this single point of failure mm-hmm. and it was just it, it look they're they're coming they're they're coming they're actually coming in bunches um they're just you get that one drive and it's just kind of falls on its face and then you get the next one and it's spectacular. So there, there's, there seems to be, there seems to be this, this uh, inability to kind of offset anything negative that happens in a single drive to do anything productive with it. And you just kind of, and they got to find a way to kind of get around that. And, and I know that obviously that, that starts with well, making sure that the problem doesn't start, doesn't happen to begin with easier said than done. You, right. You saw, I saw wide receivers trying their best to look like John Bostic, Matt Davison, you know, Abdul Muhammad, guys that were out there always on the edges that were always, you know, Childs, Ball, all those guys that could just block for days. Mm-hmm. And they they were really trying desperately to emulate that. Um, and I and I can appreciate that. But, but you know, you get a little – I also – I think it's two things. I think, number one, they were holding. And number two, I don't think referees typically – see that kind of aggressiveness at that position yeah and and so they 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 do they see that kind of thing happening in that spot they go well that's abnormal i don't that's atypical you know go ahead and give me the penalty on that thing so there's they're just i don't know it's kind of one it's just it's just one of those things right there man but i i i guess i'm i guess straight to, to your point there wasn't anything that made me feel overly bad about it there wasn't anything that made me feel overly good they left points on the field special teams is a wreck um and i don't know really what to kind of say about that but going back to what you were saying zach and i think drake you were also mentioning it you know you got the number one scoring defense or the number one uh, rushing defense and you have the number number six rushing offense and still there are several people I've read their comments since Saturday night uh, that are upset with this team. I'm not upset with this team. I, I think they're gonna. I think the team can look back and they could be upset with themselves for letting Minnesota get out with a win in Week One. That game is gonna come back to haunt, unfortunately. Um, but I think I think ultimately I, I'm I'm more pleasantly surprised with where this team is at. Particularly if you would have told me that Nebraska is gonna lose Jeff Sims during the Colorado game. And you don't know when you're going to get him, get him back. What's going to happen over the next two games leading up to Michigan? And I don't know if I would have said if I would have said, "Hey, you're you're great if you split," as opposed to there's. I'm not going to. I don't. I don't. I don't mean this because I don't think there is. There, there could be particularly a, a potentially a quarterback controversy. I don't think that there will be. I think Rule will manage it, and uh, I think the way that Harburg kind of gave his post game comments on Saturday night with the ratio and the snaps and preparing like you're the starter 
you can do that. You can each do that individually. Uh, Beringer and, and, and Frazier had to do it in the 90s. So go ahead and go through the reps and, get, and both get ready and get prepared for it. Just don't get in your head. If I'm not the guy under center in the first snap of the game, I'm, you know, it's, it's, I'm, a, I'm in a dumpster fire. I'm, 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 I'm totally shell-shocked now for the rest of the day. So anyway, lots of thoughts there. Sorry about that. Yeah, No, no, you're good. I, I have a couple of things I want to bounce off of you from there, and then we'll dive into some recruiting stuff. Um, my first one is you're absolutely right about, like, not being able to overcome the one thing. Yeah, sure, we did it in the one drive against Northern Illinois. Um, but I think the most frustrating part of that is – on that first drive before the Washington drop, they had already converted a third and 14 because of the sack on the first play of the game. Like they had already stepped up and made that once and should have had it again. That ball hits Washington in the numbers. Like, yeah, I think that is so frustrating, but kind of, you know, leading off of that with the quarterback conversation in your eyes, if Sims is hundred percent ready to go this week, can you put him in after, the two really bad performances to start against Michigan cold with no reps for two weeks in the game situation. I have a real hard time doing it. And, and, um, and I subscribe very much to what rule has pointed out about both the times that Sims has been asked to play or, or had to start in those games. He wasn't at home and he might've even been in a hostile environment. But I saw the uh, the snap that he got in got in to play on Saturday, and I was just yeah. like, "This guy is not in tune at all with what's going no. on." And you began to really wonder between the percentage of the snaps that he took, you know, during the week, if he was going through the same kind of mental processing that Harburg was in case, you know, Harburg was asked to start and Sims basically, you know, was not going through the same kind of mental preparation because he knew in the back of his mind, the chances were that he wasn't going to start and that he wouldn't play. And that, and that mentally, basically, you know, he took a break as well as trying to get his ankle right to maybe put himself in a position for Michigan. I, I had a – I'm sorry that that kind of streamed all through my head, but I had just like – this guy, he really felt disconnected from that entire game. I know it was just for that one snap, and I saw just this one shot, this one shot of him, but that was basically all I needed to see. And, I, and I'm really, really interested to see how he goes now and atones for that because I'm sure the coaches are going to see it the same exact way as that and go, this guy's got to show me a lot to show him that he's in tune because Harburg is coming to play. And he so far, he really – I mean, he's fumbled it three times. I think he's lost one. He got two of them back. Um, it was the sack, the really bad sack, right? With yep. mm-hmm. yeah. So um, <clears throat> I, I, I have a really, really, really hard time – uh, putting Sims in a position, you know, to go out there. And, and, and if I do, it's an incredibly short leash because no. Michigan he just hasn't had any success. Like it's going to be an unforgiving game too. I mean, that's the kind of game right there that just one negative play may put you in a position to never even compete. And that's, mm-hmm. that's just my thought. No, I yeah. totally agree. And I'll tell you this too, like Matt rules comments about that play in particular are going to drive me crazy because he, I mean, he said in the post game, if Chubba Purdy couldn't find his helmet, it was going to be Purdy, but because he was putting in the signals, he couldn't find his helmet. And when I heard that, I snapped. I was curious about that myself because I was in the stands and I seen Sims trot out there. I knew Sims wasn't supposed to play even because of the ankle and the way he caught the ball. And it looked like just 
did a couple loops to the left and then went down. I mean, it, it was and one he was of the more... after that play too. I don't, I don't know if he's good to go this week. He didn't look fully healthy out there. So that's why I was, I was concerned that he was out there. Uh, and I was even more concerned with the way the play went down. Just yeah. Complete. Uh, yeah. Chaos. <laughs> it, we saw that a couple of times with Harburg and Grant yesterday too, where they both went the opposite direction of each other. Um, Little cause for concern. I don't think it's a major issue because we haven't seen a ton of it this year. Uh, but, Brian, before we lost you due to the weather, I told Zach I wanted to ask you this question. Um, with the way certain position groups are performing so far this year, mm-hmm. specifically the young guys on the defensive line, yeah, do you think that kind of can alter what their goals are in recruiting for the next two classes maybe go take more guys at other positions that they hadn't planned and not go as heavy at defensive line as they had planned? Uh, I think it not only can, I think it might have already begun. I mean, if you look at the tremendously heavy numbers that they have in their secondary um, and the relatively light numbers that they have on defensive line, um, you know, you just have Carlin Jones and Ashton Murphy in the class currently to play defensive line. And Carlin's more of a three technique, four, three guy and Ashton somewhere between, you know, playing a, I'm sorry, if you could see my dog's, my dog's face <laughs> there. She's her, She's totally, totally black. So it's probably meant in my shirt. Um, and Ashton Murphy's more like a, a five technique could play out to a seven to a four. And, and, and you really kind of, the, the numbers really uh, overall have been fairly light. I mean, I think we talked about it even before we had our, had to take our little break that, you know, I felt like they needed a more of a true nose guy and guess what? Uh, Raekwon Buckley has looked tremendous. He gets mm-hmm. amazing push. He's, he's uh, he doesn't have, um, he doesn't have great uh, great feet. He doesn't get his feet on a surfboard and get perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, but he has a way of really driving, you know, the, the center back and getting trem- tremendous push. He does it basically every time he's in there. Mm-hmm. And and he is just, uh, he's an absolute bull rusher. But I think to, you know, to kind of wrap up my answer to your question, I, I think that they do feel like they have good young talent at the defensive line position. I think that that's been indicative of, of how they've kind of recruited the last, this, this year. And I think also to where they kind of added Judy and they brought in Kai Wallen and, and, and how they've kind of handled that stuff. And then you look and they have, I mean, eight defensive back recruits. I mean, if you if you counted JD Crisp as a safety, and I think he is, um, I, I think that they're really figuring that they can kind of bring in more athletic types and kind of throw them to the wind and figure out, hey, this guy's going to end up being a safety, or he's a guy that can roll down into the box and play more of an outside linebacker, or hey, this guy's really more of a, of a wide receiver, and that's fine. And they've had some successes already kind of moving some guys around. So, And I, and I think that this is rules methodology. I think that this is how he kind of does it. I think you're going to see – less of a dependency on the, on the portal, right or wrong. And I, and I, and I, I think I, I, I kind of shy away from answering that question quite yet, whether that's the right move or the wrong move. But I think also then you'll, 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 you'll see him get really dependent and start to continue to try to develop those guys. And I think that you've already seen him uh, not feel like he needs to bring in certain position groups like the, the, the defensive line. Cause he feels like he's got a lot of talent there. And I think that they can do a lot of great things with him. 
Yeah, and it, it seems like I, I don't feel like Nebraska necessarily has to go the route of Clemson where they don't take any players from the, the transfer yeah. portal. But more sparagingly, I, I feel like if you're in the five to seven guys a year, maybe that's that's like the ideal spot. But maintaining yeah. the um, the high school pipeline is obviously one of the most important things for the uh, for, for, for a program. Um, you know, I, one question I've got with a pipeline is is Omaha. Omaha is completely different than the rest of Nebraska for the most part with all the transplants from out from, from, you know, all over the country coming in. Does it seem like one of the biggest um, priorities of rule was fixing that pipeline of Omaha to Lincoln when he came on? I think that the answer to that question very quickly is yes. I mean, I found it, um, I, I, you know, coaches I think can be incredibly tone deaf, uh, particularly him where, you know, he had all these Texas uh, connections and um, it looked like he was really going to kind of between Wagger and McGuire and uh, Susan Elsa and all these other things and all the hires that he had made. It really looked like he was focused on getting into Texas and, and grabbing Texas. And I think that, like I said, I think it, some guys at that point can just go ahead and just turn a blind eye. I think Bo Pelini did. Um, I, 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 I kind of hate saying that out loud because I think I'll get some criticism for it. Um, but I don't think Bo was ultimately very convinced that uh, he couldn't get, you know, a, a, a better, a better, a more talented player by leaving the state and going into Ohio or going into Texas or, you know, grabbing a Metroplex guy. And I think that that's why, you know, like a guy like Harrison Phillips got overlooked. Um, I think that like, there's, there's plenty of other guys, obviously, that, that can kind of fit that bill. And that, uh, but I, I think that Matt Rule, the way that it kind of shook out with that first weekend after, after Thanksgiving being announced to Jalen Lloyd being like one of the very first offers that he made to hosting that junior day very, very early in December, I think he made it very clear that he was going to be very serious about keeping the guys home that he wanted to keep home. Yeah. Brian, uh, this one isn't directly recruiting, but are are you at all surprised with how well a guy like Makai uh, Bayer is playing at that jack position on defense when you bring in two guys in, in, from Florida and Georgia? I like Makai, and Makai always cut me in on some really sweet things when he was recruiting. He's a great dude. I had an awesome time talking to him through his process, and I absolutely loved his film. And I knew I knew that by the competition, you know, level that he was playing in, in New Jersey and uh, the type of talent that he was seeing out there, um, he was really getting a chance to kind of see things at a at a different speed already. There was a there there was really kind of a chance to kind of, uh, and this may be that one difference that you don't always see, like in, in Omaha. I think in Omaha, any given night, you're going to find dudes that are D1 players on the football field. I think that you know when you come down to, to Texas or you go out to a more populated area. That, that number just kind of increases. And I think that, that that then intensifies the speed of the game and the physicality and all that kind of stuff kind of goes along with it. And I think I think buyer for as a result of that, you know, can bring that bring that physicality into into Lincoln. And I, I just don't feel like he had a had a great setting between, you know, Reimer, Reiner's, uh, Reimers and, and Henrich kind of being there already and kind of be embedded as as being those two guys. I think people were still uh um uh, very high on, well, obviously Hausman had kind of, you know, they like kind of recruited over him initially. Um, so I, I think that, you know, he was going to have to cut his teeth somewhere. He did it on special teams. 
And then they kind of then said, this dude can't get off the football field because he's one of the guys that's playing the hardest at every, every guy that's got, well, we have, have out there whenever there's 11 guys on the football field. So I'm not, I'm not overly surprised. I thought he was always a really, really physical dude. His high school film will support that. So I I'm, I'm happy for the guy. Like I said, he cut me in on the commitment stuff. I was very, I was very happy with that. And uh, I'm just, I'm happy for his successes. Yeah, with that's the, awesome. With uh, sticking on the defensive side of the ball, with some of the a lot of the guys that we're seeing out there that are playing this year, a lot of those guys were already on roster the last year, or the last couple of years or so. Obviously, there's some big transfers that are out there helping. Do you think it was more of a scheme change, or and I don't want to throw any coaches under the bus, so I won't. Do you think it was more of a scheme change or a coaching change that kind of helped some of these guys blossom toward the productive productivity we've seen this year? maybe a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, th- I think it always helps when you get a guy like coach Knighton in and um, he has that pro experience. You, you can buy in. Um, that's pretty easy to do. And I think that there's some truth to what urban Meyer said too, about having the three, three, five around. I think, I think when you, when you have the three, three, five and you, and you run it, you run it well and you have the right personnel to kind of do it. Um, it, it can be really, truly effective. And I, and I think that what rule and white have kind of talked about, which I don't really technically understand all that much. Cause I'm, whenever I think about defense, I, I see, I see technique and I see gaps and, 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 and when they're, when they're seeing it and they're talking about it and, and you know, you're talking about an odd front and they're still talking about a guy being in a three tech, my head explodes. Um, so it doesn't, it, it's, it's kind of one of those, whether it's Boolean algebra or whatever, it just doesn't always seem to kind of, kind of add up. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all Martians are green. Sally is green. Therefore she's a Martian. I, I, I don't see that with the three, three, five necessarily, particularly how they, how they line it up with their guys in the hands in the dirt. Um, they, they, they tend to kind of go towards guys' strengths. Mm-hmm. And we've heard that not only on defense, we've heard that on offense too, like Anthony Grant on the fumble against Minnesota. We knew that, you know, Anthony Grant really ran that play well. Therefore, we thought we had a big gainer, and it just happened to be that the guy punched the ball out there at the very end. So they, they, they tend to kind of have these guys evaluated down to kind of this, you know, here's the sweet spot, here's your wheelhouse. And we're going to keep putting you in this wheelhouse until we feel like, you know, we need to rotate out and do something different. Maybe situation kind of dictates. And and I, I tend to, I tend to really, you know, I love that approach. There, there are obviously things that, you know, guys would want to rather do because they are successful versus, taking one for the team, you know, so to speak, and just kind of having to go out there and play your role on a, on a single down. I, I, I feel like, I feel like that, um, you know, that's a, that's an interesting approach to how they're kind of managing uh, their team. And, and I also think that the guys have bought in because they've seen it be successful. And I think that they were seeing it the whole entire time, like all the language that we heard all spring, the defense that in front of the offense, you know, there's a bad day for the offense. The defense looked great. They shined. And right out the gate, we saw it against Minnesota. We said, oh, it's not lip service. It's not coach speak. Yep. It, it's, it's for real. And those guys are believing in themselves. And I, and, and I love, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll let it go after this. I absolutely love the fact that so many guys are sharing it. I mean, 30 some odd players out there rotating in the most plays a guy is seeing like 27 or 30 plays, you know, versus some guys that were playing 70 snaps a year or two ago. Um, 
you're going to stay fresh. And I think that I think they're finding out they're going to find out on the offense very, very quickly uh, that there's a law of diminishing returns of kind of tr- kind of treating Harburg and Anthony Grant the way that they did last week, particularly when you start getting into the big the Big Ten conference schedule. That's what concerns me. You're going to have to find a way because uh, that gas tank is not infinite. It, 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 it has it has a bottom to it. And obviously, with every carry, you know, you you run that risk of getting dinged up. And uh, I, I, th- I hate to say that, but but that's a historical kind of thing from, you know, from Thompson to Martinez. I mean, we've seen it happen over the last couple of quarterbacks in Nebraska's head. Yeah, I mean, I think you can go basically back to everybody's post Joe Gans uh, as has yeah. gotten dinged up at one point. Yeah. Um, so Brian, I'm, I'm, we're obviously not going to hold you to this and we're not going to accuse you of being in, in cahoots with the staff here, but <laughs> if you're, if you're Matt rule and staff today mm. as, and as, as a fan, obviously too, what is your biggest priority on the recruiting trail in in terms of where are you, where are you trying to upgrade the most right now today? Well, and, and I'm I'm gonna I'm sorry I'm gonna take one away from you. No easy cop out and say the offensive line. <laughs> well, let me let me give you a complicated offensive line answer. Okay. Um, I don't believe that where you sit right now that there's an easy fix. Um, Brandon Baker, did he announce? Is he going to Texas? I, I didn't even see yet today. I, I, I think didn't... he's announcing today, but I didn't see the announcement happen as of yet. I, uh, I didn't see anything come through yet. Um, so um, let, let, let's, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and take Baker off the table. And let's say that Nebraska does get Grant Bricks. Out of Bricks and, and, and Talamua, who I think would probably be the two most ready of, of the offensive linemen. Um, I, I don't feel like they're, they're ready enough to really be a factor next year. Okay. So you have no quick fix. 2024 recruiting class to my my biggest issue which is my offensive tackle play has got to get better um so you've got to get into the portal uh and you know what what really kind of turned the turned the knife on everything this weekend was that i actually had a chance to watch oklahoma and walter rouse was playing great yeah he's been impressive for them yeah it really, it really stuck. It really stuck it in me because I, I thought Ben Scott has been, other than the one personal foul against Colorado, uh, he's played really tremendously. Um, so having a guy like Walter Rouse really could have taken some pressure off this offensive line. Um, you, you could have done a lot of create, uh, creative things, and I think obviously Prohaska getting dinged up, one bright spot besides Ben Scott. I. I don't know too many people that have been saying Bryce Benhart's name in a, in a negative way. Um, He, to me has been the best offensive lineman from where he came from. Sure. Like uh, his improvements off the charts. It's been, it's been marked. And uh, I think that you're, you're, you're back in the portal, nose in the portal come November uh, looking for another Walter Rouse type. You, you need a, you need a day one starter that to kind of, to kind of go along with Scott. 
Um, I think that they're feeling good, you know, about a couple of the younger guys that we haven't seen so far. And, and I, and I think that, you know, maybe Cork, maybe there's some, maybe there's some life for some of those guys kind of moving them around or giving them another chance to kind of look at another position, another spot. But I, I think you're, I think you're looking for at least one offensive tackle this fall, if not two. Um, and next year, 2025 wise, uh, they happen to be in uh, in an incredible position for a number of offensive tackles in the area. I cannot get over, honestly, the number of off- offensive tackles that are out there, you know, for 2025, Nebraska should grab three of them. Uh, they, they should be all in trying to grab three of those guys. And then obviously you're getting uh, Cantwell, the 2026 uh, offensive tackle that's probably one of the top five offensive tackles in the nation that year who has ties back to, uh, to Nebraska. Um, I, I think you, you get him back in there, you get him back to Nebraska this weekend. So huge opportunity, obviously there too. So I, it's a complicated answer. It's still offensive line, but it's, I can't get real good, serious help in the 2024 class. And I can't really, count on you know the Knutson and 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 what what else we got going on and and Gunner you know um Katula and and everybody else I brought in a year in Goldman I don't know if Goldman's going to end up on offensive line or if maybe that's a guy that gets moved over but you know you you need to find and I think that obviously there's another factoid I think I think Machacek might have been the most uh ready to go kind of offensive lineman potentially that they got in last year's class. Now he's on defense. So who are you gonna go get to be another kind of backfield guard for your 2023 guys? So you got you've got some holes. So you you've got some guys coming in. I I love Pyle. Don't get me wrong, love him. I think I think Jake Peters gets overlooked. That's a guy that's playing offensive tackle right now that's gonna do something. And and I think Landon Davidson maybe the one like total hidden gem out of the entire class. I, he's one of my faves. Carlin Jones is one of my faves. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, you've got some good long-term talent last year, long-term talent this year, portal, go get three offensive tackles next year. That's your priority. You're going to have to get three of those guys. next year. Yeah, that was kind of, it, it seemed like they were about a year away from it. And, and that's nailing all their offensive linemen coming in about a year away from really feeling good, which is, I feel like the same split, same place you're at with the wide receiver room. You're a year away from feeling good with what you've got in the room and getting it kind of seasoned up and ready to go. Um, with, with the 24 class coming up and, you know, coming to a close at the end of the, at the year, are there any guys in the 2024 class that you see making an early impact for Nebraska? the freshman season and kind of maybe seeing a significant amount of snaps, maybe not putting up a crazy number of stats, but seeing some snaps. Danny Kalen. <laughs> uh, well, I think Kalen's a great long-term guy. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to not start at the top with Carter Nelson. Um, yeah. Incredible talent. Uh, I know many people want to debate me on the number, the number one player in the state because Damon Bennings or uh, Caleb Benning, excuse me, is having a great year. And, and I'm not going to tell you Caleb's not having a great year. Mm-hmm. I would, I would gladly give that belt of number one player in the Omaha Metro area to Caleb, but the number one player in the state is Carter Nelson. Um, I think he can do so many things for Nebraska offensively next year between, you know, you don't have, um, you know, you got, you have some uncertainty with, with the injury to Davon Hall. That, that's a very serious elbow injury. 
Um, you know, you, you get McMorris and I think you kind of get that other kind of guy that can kind of work underneath and do the dirty things that Kemp is being asked to kind of do. And maybe they don't have enough of that stuff with the sticky routes and the stick routes and whatever else they want to kind of do in there. Um, but I, I think the one thing that's been really missing has been this consistent kind of guy that can go up and get the football and, and do some things outside and create some mismatches. And like you guys said, when Tommy Hill comes in, you know, you know what, you know what they want to do with the football. They want to get him. It's like Isaiah Fluellen. I mean, it's yeah. as predictable as when you see, when you saw Fluellen outside there going, okay, this is going to be a go route. Yep. It's a nine, you know, and just throw it up. <laughs> um, so I think Carter Nelson's a really interesting guy because I think you can, you can kind of treat him very Fedoni. And just he's got this wide, wide radius that he can kind of be effective in and put the ball there and he can kind of go do something with it. Um, I think Kwan Lacey is a very interesting dude. And I think the way that the running back room has kind of been hit so uh, incredibly hard very quickly. I think Nebraska has got to be really toying with the idea of grabbing two two running backs in the 2024 class now. Um, I was going to ask you, do you, yep. do you go get three or four maybe even just – because of how hard you've been hit. It's it's an interesting concept. Um, I, I don't think I don't think you're gonna run Lacey off because I think Lacey knows how special he is. And I, I said it last week in three and out or maybe even in tunnel talk that I really felt like the one aspect of Lacey's game that was gonna gonna shine when they got in the district play was that he was gonna become more of a receiver, and I think that he had a 70-yard reception for a touchdown this last week. He's smooth when he catches that ball, <laughs> well, too. He is incredible. You should see. Like, I went and watched him in the indoor before their before their scrimmage, like in late August, but right before Labor Day. And they have got, like, some incredible kind of scissors concepts where, you know, like Mike Leach and Texas Tech and how they're kind of doing, you know, in, 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 in and out. They got that Emmanuel Moody kid, the 2025 or 26 wide receivers, 6'4 guy, and, and Lacey's kind of doing some different things. And they got this really shifty slot, you know, that's over there. It's got some FCS offers. Um, I, Lacey is really a dude. I think that he's going to be tough to kind of keep him in one room. Um, you're going to see so many different ways to kind of get him the football and want to keep him involved. Uh, but I think Lacey, I think Nelson, um, mm -mm -mm. I'll give you maybe one, one guy that people aren't talking about or aren't thinking about. Uh, and it's maybe going to come as a surprise. I know he's dealing with an injury right now, but I think there is going to be some hope uh for him next season uh just because i've heard i've heard some things i just heard some things that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> we'll rex, get that from you offline afterwards rex rex guthrie okay uh little little down the list on the defensive backs you know and i even like a callan barta callan barta's mm -hmm. having a huge season and he could be a guy that ends up playing wide receiver for nebraska just as much as like roger gradney could play linebacker or Roger Gradney could play wide receiver, or Gradney could he, Gradney could even play running back. Gradney could even play running back along with Keywan Lacey. So I think you got plenty of guys in the back end. Barta having a huge year, interesting guy to kind of keep an eye on. Rex Guthrie really feel bad for him. I've heard some just like I said, heard those things about him, and uh, Nebraska is very excited about him. Uh, that could be another dude that gets another look, you know, a little bit later on down the line. But they're looking for a guy that can bring that Deshaun Singleton kind of heat coming from safety. Guthrie brings that kind of heat from safety. 
Brian, as you're talking to some of these high school kids, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, because that's a where we're having success, but we're seeing a lot of those rotations. And, you know, Zach and I have mentioned multiple times, you, the 2021 Nebraska team was had a bunch of six and seven year seniors. <laughs> and part of the reason we had so much struggle last year defensively was all those new new starters didn't get reps before. And you're not going to have that problem this year is that enticing to some of these high school kids that hey if you come into camp you're you're gonna see about 50 percent of the snaps right off the bat oh absolutely I, I talked to deandre harper today i mean the guy that got offered the, the preferred walk-on opportunity from omaha north and um it's one of the one of the things that obviously he knows where matt rule wants to get to and he knows about the struggles that they're having along the offensive line that the two hurt running backs not having a guy that's really stepped up yet that's a game breaker, game changer kind of wide receiver. So they're kind of having to figure some things out and break some plays here and there. One of the big selling points to him is, is that, you know, they are struggling the offensive line and, and there's potential there for him to kind of bet on himself and go into, go into Nebraska from Omaha and, and have a chance to, to kind of open some eyes. So that's from a preferred walk on. Um, I know that like talking to Talmua in July, uh, Nebraska is not limiting anything, you know, with him. They're, they're going to tell him to play inside, play outside. We're going to find a path for you to get on the football field because instantly you should kind of come in here and, and be one of those guys. Um, I think the same thing would be true, like with the bricks. And I think that he would tell you as much uh, if you could ever get him on the phone. Um, uh, Grant, if you're listening, pick up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Months is on the hotline. Pick me up. Um, No, I I, I think it's absolutely a selling point. And I think that also from uh, as much as like we want to talk about clear path, you know, having this chance to kind of make a difference and kind of get things turned on offense. I think as much as that is a selling selling point on offense, I think it's a selling point on defense. How many guys are seeing the, seeing the field? Um, I think, like I said, I think that when you, if you limited that success to 18 guys, 17 guys, you know, less than 20 guys, I just don't feel like this team would be at where they're at right now, where you just kind of feel like they're kind of just, they're, they're just kind of ramping up. And in, especially on the defensive side of the football, I, I really feel like, you know, they're still kind of figuring out all these things about themselves and all the other things about the guys that they're on the football field with it at, at any one time. And they're getting, they're having some mistakes and there's still some growing pains, but they're still so successful. I mean, the production uh, that they're having is really, uh, it's, it's really uncanny. I thought for sure that, Louisiana Tech was north of 80, maybe 90 yards rushing. And then when they finished the game and said it was 46, I was like, you've got to be kidding. Like <laughs> for not having for not having any sacks, not having any sacks, that that's like the most amazing part is getting is holding them to 46 yards production on the ground. With no sacks. No sacks. None. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was kind of impressive to see that the defense has been the once constant, which we we we've all known as the season's going on. With kind we of just having our turnovers, that's the one part we're missing out on, right? Because they can get pressure, they just can't get the ball to bounce the right way at this point. Right. Um, with White kind of having a proof of concept of what Nebraska should look like out on the field, do you think that kind of helps a guy like, uh, or to convince a guy like Jay Sean Ross that this should be a defense that you'd want to play in? Because that 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 kid's a freak athlete as well. 
Yeah. I mean, Jay Sean uh, just talked to, um, oh my gosh. Oh, he's going to, going to be, I'm going to be upset with myself. 2025 edge that it just out of Algona, Iowa, talked to him this morning. Uh, Limbaugh. Yes. Limbaugh talked to Limbaugh, you know, friends with blaze Gunnarsson. Um, AC and blaze have a, have a heck of a year. Um, I do feel like that's one of the questions that I have for these guys. I mean, I talked to another couple defenders tonight on the phone and, um, one of the big questions I have for those guys is like, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking about when you see that defense? Like, what are you, what are you feeling? Like, you know, inside linebackers, edge guys, um, defensive tackles. Like, what are, what are you thinking about when you, you see a real physical flight of the football, younger guys, a lot of rotation, you know, keeping legs fresh kind of situation. It's uh, it's incredibly exciting to a lot of those guys that are that are noticing all that stuff. It's it's really kind of uncanny too. I mean, talking to some of these twenty fives that they are so uh, perceptive. Yeah. Uh, they're you know that they're not just you know taking the candle in front of you know that's hanging out there off the stick and just kind of going through the motions of going to a game and making sure they try a runza and check out the the fans. No, these guys are incredibly dialed in. They're incredible. They're incredibly dialed into what's kind of going on in front of them on the football field, and they're and they're making sure that they're they're catching all that stuff. So, uh, I've had some really great conversations around that. But yeah, I think that they're that they are noticing all that stuff, and they are very excited about the opportunities that are out there on defense. All right, boys, we're about two minutes away from the Brandon Baker commit, so I'm I'm going to ask a quick two part question to you here, Brian, and you can answer as fast or as long as you want. Um. My first question is, and it's going to tie into the second question. Basically, first first question is, do you feel a difference in both the buzz from the recruits and the staff around how we're trying to recruit versus any other staff over the last 15, 20 years? Because um, I, I do from, from the mm-hmm. outside looking in, but I'm obviously not talking to the recruits like you. And two, does that play into a guy like J.D. Crisp, who potentially could play both sides of the ball, um, you know, kind of break down J.D. Crisp and then just the overall feel of recruiting around Nebraska? Yeah. Um, answer your first question very quickly, yes. Um, I think it's as um, successful of a group uh, I have I have seen so far come through Nebraska since Bill Callahan. Um, I know that's not going to be a name that Nebraska fans want to want to remember too much about. But hey, I'm a Callahan defender. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I've been clamoring for him on the offensive line for a couple of years now. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to be um, because of some of the talent he was able to get to Lincoln. I thought that not only did he recruit like the higher level guys, but he also re- was a great evaluator of the guys that were in the middle. Uh, and I feel like they did a great job kind of developing those guys too. And I think Pelini, you know, really benefited from having that talent laying around there in Lincoln by like, <laughs> Hey, guess what? I just bought this house and I found three Maseratis and a Bentley in the, in the garage. Like, that's wonderful. Like this- Brian, I've been having this debate for about a year now. Bill, people don't recognize Bo, Bo Pelini inherited between incoming guys into, in his first class that had already committed to Callahan and guys that were left on the roster, he inherited 18 defensive NFL draft picks. Yeah. Just defense. That's monstrous, right? Totally monstrous. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel like um, 
uh, I think that this, this staff is really recruiting incredibly well. Um, I think that they have an eye for talent. I think that they're able to, they're also able to kind of get these guys to, to uh, believe very early and, and believe in what they're kind of doing uh, in Nebraska when they don't really have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of reason to, I mean, I, I think, I think one of the more telling things and what you're going to probably tell us here in a minute, Drake, about where Brandon Baker announces <laughs> is a guy like Brandon Baker taking visits to Nebraska. And um, he had absolutely no reason to show up there. He had no flipping reason to ever consider Nebraska three and nine, you know, new head coach starting over flipping a roster you know, what's really, what's really in store for you? Like once you get there and how the hell does Nebraska compare to the likes of Ohio state and Georgia and Alabama and Texas and USC and Oregon and on and on and on and on. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. But I've talked to Brandon face to face and he loves the staff. He loves Matt rule. He loves what he has done at Temple, at Baylor, he knows it's coming at Nebraska. He he can be he could have he could be part of that, um, and I think NIL. Uh, I think it's competitive uh, for you know for what's going to happen here shortly uh, for him to kind of consider you know Nebraska versus the other schools. I, I think it comes down to um, the trajectory that uh, that schools are immediately on, uh, and Nebraska's just not quite there. Um, give it, you know, Chad, I think Chad Simmons said it the best from on three had rule, had another couple, three years under his belt and maybe had a little bit more of a body of work and, and had that trajectory and just needed a guy like Brandon Baker and a few other guys to kind of, kind of make things possible. Um, it'd be really, really interesting to see how things, you know, what, what could have happened, uh, here, but I, I think ultimately if people don't consider that a win, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's just another, another one of those things, like you're going to complain about everything anyway. So go ahead and complain about that too. But I think Nebraska fans have got to appreciate the fact that Nebraska was in the final four, not the five, four, Florida state was out, really made the final four for Brandon Baker's list against Oregon, Texas, and Ohio state. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah, for him to even have any interest, as you said, was kind of mind blowing. Uh, but but a lot of the guys like Nate Frazier even made a visit, I believe, um, as well. I mean, a lot of the high level guys, they were able to get to have interest. I mean, to me as a Nebraska fan coming off multiple losing seasons, it gives you a little bit of hope that you've got you can at least get these guys ear. Yeah. Now, if you can put some tangible results on the field, that's how you get those guys to want to buy in. It doesn't happen overnight, but Rule was very forthcoming with that. You, you didn't buy me to do this over, or you didn't bring me here to do this overnight. Yeah. So, I think uh, what's really what's really been interesting too, guys, about the we talked about two we talked about two running backs here tonight. I brought up Kewan uh, Lacey, and you brought up Nate Frazier a second ago. That um, prior to his visit for the spring game, Nate Frazier was running, you know, pretty high four star, whatever. Shortly after spring game, he gets elevated to the number one running back in the nation. And think about what happened in June when Kiwan Lacey takes the visit and jumps in and you had this coaching reaction about how people just don't know and how people have been screwing up and they're mm-hmm. sleeping on this guy and whatever. 
and think about the ranking adjustment that just happened last week and how, how far he shot up the on three top 300. Um, I, I happen to feel really, really, really good about what the coaches are, are, are doing in, in terms of their talent assessment and their evaluation skills. Uh, and I think that that's, that's, that's pretty huge. Uh, particularly when you, when you, when you see some guys like, Kiwan, who's telling you that he's telling me that he's locked into Nebraska and he's fending off Ole Miss with one arm because he wants to go to Nebraska and check him out this weekend as they play against Michigan and can see a future there because the patch of the field is like step on campus, dude, and uh, we'll give you the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, he, he's a freshman that I can't wait to see. Hopefully get out there because his skill set's pretty damn dynamic, but yeah. um, he's going to be a fun one to watch. But, uh, uh, Drake, do, do you got anything else for Munson tonight? Um, Munson, this is the last one I got for you, buddy. Uh, gun to your head, final record for Nebraska. We'll evaluate next time we have you on. I was going through this the other day. Okay, let me let me take a look at my schedule real quick because I want to I want to keep it I want to I want to keep myself honest because I was really 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 kind of. Um, I was surprising myself with how well I thought Nebraska could finish up. And I, don't I, I do every time I go through it, I feel the same. <laughs> and I'm typically not this guy. I mean, this is. This, this, I am though. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I, have, I have years and years and years of uh, classic uh, pessimistic conditioning. <laughs> um, so I, I hold on. I'm looking for my looking for my thing here, guys. We get all teams going to. Well, uh, okay. Uh, I'm not seeing it there. Okay, so let's let's go through it really quick. Uh, so, Michigan's a loss. Um, beat Illinois Michigan. is next. Yeah, they'll beat Illinois. Illinois looks looks pretty sad. Then um, you got Northwestern. And I can't believe Northwestern beat Illinois. Right? That was shocking. Shocking. I also can't believe Northwestern put up thirty on Minnesota. Right. So give me. Okay, give me. Illinois, Northwestern. Then you have Purdue. Purdue, Michigan State, and Iowa Iowa for sure. Okay. Michigan's a loss, and I'm feeling pretty good about Iowa. Okay, and then you have have Maryland and Wisconsin left. That's a a loss. That's a loss. Maryland Maryland looks too good right now. Is that at home? Is that or is that in, in Baltimore? That's at home. Still, they're clicking. They're they're firing. In November. In November. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, guys, I mean, uh, as bad as things have been injury wise in September, uh, things may not get a whole lot better as you kind of get into this Big Ten thing. So it's like there's always like that one stretch where there's like three games, bang, 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 and it's like hardcore Big Ten physical, you know, knockdown, drag out football. And Nebraska's never better for it on the other end. No, you're not. My my only caveat to Maryland is I feel like we've been doing this same song and dance with them for about five years where they start off so good. You know, they beat Texas back-to-back years very early, and I know those weren't great Texas teams, but I just feel like they start off hot regularly and then just completely the wheels fall off the bus. This Maryland team obviously looks well, way more put together than past teams, but yeah, um, I'm I just refuse to be sold on them until it's proven. I mean, Nebraska is the only team that I I don't have to be sold on. So um, I think so. I think it was 
I think it was um, – I'm going to take – I think six, you have it seven and five. Yeah, I think I'm going to take um, – I think I'm going to take – I think I can actually see eight and four. I think I'll – I'm, I'm, I'm really 50-50 on, on Wisconsin. Um, I haven't been truly impressed, but, I mean, Addison's tough. I mean, the running back is amazing. That that guy's a dude. He's he's like, uh, you know, um, I don't even know. He's like playing. He he could he could play linebacker in the NFL. He's got that just that size, right? He looks like mm-hmm. Chase from the the Commanders. I mean, the dude. Chase I think Young. he's still only seventeen years old, Brian. That's, that's insane. what I'm told every time he's on TV. It's totally <laughs> insane. I mean, it's like that's like the kid that gets uh, shows up on like a. A little league World Series game from Cuba, and they say that he's <laughs> that he's got facial hair like you, Drake. You know, <laughs> I am twelve. Oh man! Uh, well, well, I think I think that that's I think that's reasonable. I think I think between six and six and eight and four, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I I, I tell you this right now, I, I I think it makes I think they make a bowl game. And I think that that's a huge feather in the cap. If there's, if there's not, if there's been one thing, guys, low key that has hurt this team, it has been missing that month of practice for the last, for the last whatever four, five, six years, whatever they haven't been able to make a bowl game, yep. not getting that extra month of development, not getting those extra reps for those young guys. If you, if you're running a program like Matt Rule is that is completely and totally dependent on development. You it almost needs like it almost means that you need to have that four to five weeks of development time to kind of wrap things up to then get into like your assessment on how you're going to kind of handle things, you know, into the spring and who's like on the bubble and who are the guys I need to have a conversation with, and who's got to show me something, and you know, like who are the guys I need to like tell, like, hey, you're not coming back, right? Like, you're yeah. going to something else out. That's going to be a huge time for those guys to figure out the roster. Couldn't agree more. Well, um, that kind of positivity is what I want to end on because there's there's no other positivity going on at Husker Nation. So we're going to end on that right there. Uh, Brian Munson with the walk off there. Uh, Drake, you don't have anything else? I think we. I think no, we. Cool. Nope, I'm good. I really am good. I'm I'm just looking where <laughs> Baker committed. Well, no, I was going to say we're we're going to have to have Munson on uh, again here very soon because there's always it, so much stuff going on. Is it this? Is it this, Drake? Yeah, it is. I figured with the way that they pushed Alabama around, that could be a pretty enticing proposition but, to go down to. You know, at Munson still made me feel better about it. Um, I feel a lot better about it. <laughs> you know, I heard on the radio this week, nothing's official until that paperwork's signed. Very true. Very true. I just I feel like if you if you uh, if you're gonna give Sark um, Sixth Street Austin. In NIL money down there, uh, he's going to be tough, and, and particularly yeah. going into the SEC. Uh, unfortunately, I, I feel like uh, between all the guys that they have missed on, you know, since Mac Brown has left, uh, they may have found the right. Yeah, unfortunately, I think so as well. So, yeah. uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining us tonight, my man. It was a pleasure to have you back on again. Always one of our favorite guests. So, um, thanks for joining us tonight, my man. And uh, Drake, appreciate you. And uh, you guys got anything else? Hey, let's get, let's get, I, I would love to see a win this weekend. I don't know how um, you guys would keep me out of this episode, out of, out of this episode next week. 
if if Nebraska pulls it off, you know, it, it would I would probably be still dancing over here uh, a little bit. So you're gonna want to have me on the air. I got Absolutely. I got the secret play to win the game. I got the secret play to bust that wide, offense wide open. We haven't ran it successfully since Jamal Lord was the quarterback, but it is the power option pass. Oh, look at that! And you know what, guys? I'm just Little putting Matt this out there. down the seam, right? I'm, I, I'm just putting this out here. We've had Malik, Malachi Coleman was on the field for a lot of plays yesterday in run block in those options. Lulling people to sleep with this film of not running routes. You're not saying you're just saying, right? I'm, I'm just saying, uh, give me the headset. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God, that's not what we need at all. We're trying to win the game, Drake. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us here for Church of the Corn, for Brian Munson, for Drake, for myself. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red.